Welcome to All Ears, Senior Living Success, where we talk to industry leaders to make sure you find success in your community. My name is Matt Reiners, and I'm the co-founder of Eversound by Uniguess, a trusted provider of digital engagement solutions dedicated to improving quality of life for older adults by giving them the gift of hearing. Today, I'm joined by Sharon Riccardi, the president of Northbridge Advisory Services. I've gotten to know Sharon over the years, and she doesn't know this, but when we f- I first got into the industry, I was like a fanboy from afar, just seeing all the awesome stuff that she has been doing and you know, just being a, an industry executive and professional, and I've just always been a huge fan of her and uh, so happy to have her on the, the call here today. Um, Sharon's been in a regional director of ops, a national director of memory care programs, a VP of ops, a senior vice president of ops, and now president. So thanks for joining me today, Sharon. Thank you so much. Yes. And president, I uh, will say of Northbridge advisory services. So, so finally, Matt, I worked my way up to the point where I could tell other people what to do. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, we're all striving to do that, right? Um, we really are. We're striving yeah. to, to not have to do it ourselves anymore, to tell other people what to do because of what we've learned, right? Exactly. Exactly. And uh, no, hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm all yeah. about delegation to people that can do it better than you anyway, right? I mean, that's always the, the game plan there. You know, one of the best things about um, being in the advisory business, because I get to travel all over the country and find out that there are many, many ways to have a successful assisted living and you know, memory care and so forth. There's not just one way. So we, uh, when we do advisory work, we learn from each other and and bring yeah. each other up that way. So it's been a, a wonderful experience. I love it. That's awesome. I feel like we could have a whole other episode of what you've learned on the advisory side, but maybe maybe we'll come back for a part two. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll give you one. Trust but verify. That's the biggest thing we've learned. <laughs> mm, okay, I can. Yeah, I love that, and I can definitely relate that to my own life professional and personal. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right, Matt. Mm-hmm. So Sharon, you're in this president role now, but can you share a little bit of your background and how you got into senior living? Sure. Um, it's such a circuitous route. It would, it would take the whole podcast to tell, um, to tell your listeners everything that I've done, but I, I will, I will fast forward to about the middle of it. So I, um, was running a VNA for a hospital system in Massachusetts and this was in the early days of assisted living and they decided to build an assisted living and asked me to run it for them and i uh, with great trepidation because it was like i'm going to run a hotel and you know <laughs> healthcare and uh, food service so um needless to say i said yes fell in love with it immediately it was just a wonderful experience um and from there i joined benchmark as as you mentioned i uh, was an ED for the nascent benchmark when benchmark was just starting and then became a regional for them and then went to Newton Senior Living. And that's when, you know, the whole journey from running a VNA for the hospital through um, all of my um, experience, there are two things I always kind of worried about. Are we doing a good enough job taking care of people with memory care issues? And what happens to the people that can't afford this? So, which is what we're going to talk about today. So, um, then I became, as you said, uh, VP of Ops for uh, Northbridge, um, a senior care 
Northridge Senior Housing. I should get that right. And uh, and then senior vice president. And then I was able to, you know, move into advisory and Jim uh, and Wendy, Jim Coughlin and Wendy Nowakonski, uh, who run Northbridge, were kind enough to kind of let me take time and my pro professional time to explore affordable senior housing, because even though we didn't have it and we still don't have it. They saw a huge need for it. So they've let me kind of go in that direction with their full support. And, and now we're, um, you know, dipping our toe in affordable housing, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. And I know that's, where we're going to spend a lot of time here today. And, you know, just from, you know, my, uh, you know, outsiders looking in like, yeah, there's definitely a, a big opportunity in affordable, you know, I think everyone talks about how much senior living costs and stuff. So I think you guys are, are smart to do that and, and help a lot of people along the way too, which is what it's all about at the end of the day. Um, so Sharon, first question about that affordable is like, what are the current challenges and barriers preventing affordable assisted living for seniors and how can we overcome them? Sure. Um, so when I talk about affordable, I always like to define it somewhat mm -hmm. because it's, it's almost as ill-defined as independent living. What does that even mean, right? Everyone yeah, defines yeah. it differently. So, but three basic categories. So, so we have market rate, which is what most people know. Um, that's where people build in a in an area and charge as much as a senior can reasonably afford and is willing to afford for that service. Um, so that's you know that's probably um, eighty five percent of all the assisted living in our country is what we call market rate assisted living. So there aren't subsidies for it. So people you know pay out of their own pockets. Usually a combination of spending down their assets and their income. So um, and it it can vary hugely in in cost and it's uh, very dependent. Like Boston, we both are very familiar with Boston. Mm -hmm. Boston is a high barrier to entry market, the suburbs of Boston, hard to get in, land is high, building is high, staffing is high. So that is costing, you know, upwards of $10,000 a month um, for most of that. Whereas in other markets, um, in suburbs of Atlanta, for example, where there's lots of competition, housing prices are lower, income is lower, you can get assisted living for $3,500 a month. Um, so mm -hmm. But that's still market rate. That's still, you know, uh, more and more unaffordable for the next tier. So the next tier is what we've been calling middle market. Um, you know, Nick has gotten into that. They've done a study. Nick, the National Investment Center, did a study on that, two-part study. I spoke at Nick actually on the middle market, and that's, um, you know, we're trying to define that. So basically, you know, they say that that's the 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 people who, you know, maybe are um blue collar pink collar i should say pink collar so they have too much money to qualify for subsidies but not enough for market rate assisted living for the whole amount of time they're going to need it and people are living longer matt so um they're having to plan for more years now that they might need assisted living so they're you know they might be able to afford four years but you know that they might need it for eight years and they're not able to afford it so uh, middle market is is where a lot of attention is going mm -hmm. and then there's the true affordable market and i say that with a capital a affordable assisted living and there is organization uh that that is uh, named that and so those are the people who need a subsidy we need it from you know traditionally it's a medicaid waiver that subsidizes that. So that's at the level that uh, people who really only have don't really have an asset, maybe they were never a homeowner. Um, so they have, you know, maybe a little bit of savings and their social security. So, um, so there's, there's in 43 states, <laughs> we have the, the Medicaid waiver that will help them. Unfortunately, 
we'll talk about that later, but unfortunately they generally don't pay enough um, for most operators to want to get into that market. Um, but there is at least that, um, you know, fail safe in 43 states plus the District of Columbia, actually. So um, those those two, middle market and um, uh, I should say those two, market rate and affordable are really all, all you see. That's like 95% of what we have in this country, whereas middle market needs to grow. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've had a few people on over the years uh, to talk about the middle market. And yeah, I see it popping up at every conference and, and whatnot. I'm sure you crushed your presentation at Nick too about that. Of course um, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I wouldn't expect anything else, Sharon. Um, and, you know, I think when we think about the affordable side, you know, it, it can't just be the person living there and the the provider, right? So, you know, how how can community partnerships, collaborations between healthcare providers, housing developers, and government agencies help to address the affordability issue in assisted living? Yes, yes, exactly. So, um, well, community partnerships are, are extremely important, and you know, it's something that we are, you know, we're spending a lot of time with um, figuring out how to do this because. If we don't do it, we're going to be paying for it anyway. We're going to be subsidizing nursing home stays for these people that don't need nursing home stays. You know, um, we're going to be um, looking to pay for additional housing for people who can't afford that. So we're going to be paying more in home care delivered to their homes individually, which is not a you know not an efficient way to deliver care when you're going from home to home to home as we discovered during COVID. Um, you know the congregate setting is a much more efficient way to deliver this and you know we also you know want to remember too that um we have to think of the dignity you know these people might have been your dog groomer your post office uh worker you know people you relied upon and now they get to this age and and their options are few um, so, you know, we're, we're needing to have those relationships with, um, and there's, there's all kinds of um, smart people out there working on this, but we need to find, you know, those ways that we can um, partner with, um, we need to partner with our state, with our federal government and with private partnerships. Um, there are grants out there. We have HUD, Housing and Urban Development. They want to help us um, with this, but we have to come together and you know find a way that makes sense and is sustainable because assisted living is expensive to run. It's not just expensive to build. It's expensive to run because it's high touch. It's a people yeah. organization, right? So those those partnerships, um, you know, really need to come together to to make it successful. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, always the question because you bring up a great point with assisted living being high touch, right? And like, you know, labor costs, especially very specialized labor costs is expensive. Um, and, you know, do you have any thoughts on like around what potential cost saving measures or strategies that assisted living facilities can adopt without compromising that quality of care? Yes. Well, um, what's happening a lot in our marketplace right now is older market rate product is not selling as well to the younger people, right? So buying a um, an assisted living community that's maybe 25 years old at a really good price, that's one way. You're, you're, you're uh, purchasing it at 
you know, a huge discount to what it would cost to build it. So, so that then can be a way to, um, you know, turn what would have been a market rate, uh, what was a market rate community into a middle market community. And there's lots of examples of that, including ones that we're involved with, um, where you buy it at a good price, you find efficiencies, maybe you don't do every bell and every whistle, um, you can cut down a little bit on uh, the cost of food, because I will tell you most seniors are happy to have home style cooking, they don't need it to be particularly fancy, they need it to be familiar and well done. Um, you know, you can you can find us, maybe you have volunteers to come in and help you um, with activities, uh, you're combining, a lot of places are looking to universal workers uh, that can do more than one thing, you know, aids are our biggest cost and because they're, they're the um, uh, professional that we have the most of in our building. So if they can do something else, whether it's activities or, or serving in the dining room, um, you know, driving the van, that type of thing, then that stretches your staffing dollar because that's your that's your biggest dollar is um, how much you spend on staffing. Um, so all of those, as well as looking for subsidies, um, I'm always looking for that. If you're not for profit, there are grants out there that you can get. I, in my first assisted living, um, I applied for a grant. I wanted to do music therapy for my uh, memory care residents and uh, bringing in musicians and so forth is costly. So I got a grant that we were able to bring in three professional mus music groups a week um, for our residents. Wow. It was fabulous. It was fabulous. And it really, you know, it had a lot of, um, it was through the Robert Jones, um, Robert, Robert Woods Jones Foundation. And it really was, it, it's like the best medicine for uh, people with, um, you know, active memory loss. Uh, to be able to move to that part of their brain where music is still accessible to them. Yeah, which is, yeah, one of the things I've read is, you know, music is one of those last things. And I just reflect on my own life. You know, if I am fortunate enough to live that long, you yeah. know, will I be listening to like Eminem? Uh, and that will kind of reminisce stuff for me. But uh, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll cross oh, that bridge when we get there. Oh, we in this business, we talk about you all the time. You're yeah, yeah, about yeah. what that's going to be like. It'll just be normalized because it'll happen gradually. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, of course. Um, so, I, you know, one of the things too, I'm always very curious about, you know, and, and my question here for you is, you know, how can we ensure that affordable assisted living options are inclusive and really cater to the diverse needs and preferences of seniors from different backgrounds? You know, yeah. Yes, that, that's so, um, that's a good question and such a complicated answer. As I will tell you, first of all, we're, because people are living longer, it's, you know, you're designing for a group of people that might have 50 years age difference in their age, um, because people are living until 110 now. Um, so, you know, you might have somebody that's coming in around 60 with, you know, an ongoing health issue. So they're needing assisted living at a younger age, right through to 110. That's 50 years. Imagine if you had to design a you know, a college course for someone from age, you know, 20 to age 70, you know, that's just a huge diverse age. So we're really trying to broaden what we do. And, and I always say too, you need to meet people where they are. Um, we're involved right now, Hallbridge, um, which I'm a part of, is involved with a project in Washington, DC, 
first assisted living ever in Ward 7, which, which is an area that has a lot of uh, people who need affordable assisted living, as you can imagine. And we went to them to say, what do you want? You know, there were all kinds of things that we might have done in Boston, Bocce. They're like, no, we don't do that. Here's what we do. Here's what we want. Um, here's what's very important to us. Um, and we designed that because, uh, you know, and, and the staff needs to reflect what they look like you know you need to feel like you're still part of a community um, they want to go to the familiar places that they've always gone to they want to do the familiar things and they want to eat the familiar food and you know that's what we all want so um, respect of that is really important but we also try not to separate people by income so we try to have communities that you can have you know you can be middle middle market and you can be the lower end of affordable and still be there we don't want to create projects remember the projects in the 60s that they made with let's just take all the poor people and put them over there and no one that has any money will live anywhere near them uh, and it was completely obvious that if you live there you had no money. We don't want to create that. That's that's um, nobody wants to live uh, like that, where you're segregated just because of your finances. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely don't want to create the senior living projects. Um, that's yeah, makes it complete sense. And you know, you kind of talked about what you guys are doing in DC, which is awesome. And Ward Seven, you guys are doing that's awesome. You know, I want to give you guys, you and your team, kudos. You're doing such important work. But is there any other successful examples or case studies of communities that are offering high quality, affordable care to seniors? Yes, definitely. You know, when I first got into this, when I first was interested in this, I did a lot of research and traveled to different states. And, you know, I just want to give a shout out to Wayne Smallwood. <laughs> Wayne in Illinois um, really started this whole movement of the affordable assisted living. And he it, was involved with lots of um, lots of groups there. And there's a very robust network in Illinois of um, affordable assisted livings that that um, they they worked with the state to get, because this is such an important thing, the Medicaid waiver. So it's, you know, part of the frail elder waiver, people call it the fee waiver. So that that's the box that has to be checked by the state in order for the state to have the funding to allow someone to have a truly affordable assisted living. As I said, 43 states plus the District of Columbia have it. But most of those 43 do not pay enough um, that, that operators would even ever get funded to build an assisted living because the, you know, the funding isn't there to allow them to do that. They, you know, what you see in those states is like a community will have put five units aside for them, but it's not, you know, it's not enough to, to truly develop. Whereas um, Wayne and his state said, you know, let's do the math. Come on, we can do the right thing and it will still stay, save the state money. So they were able to get the rate to a level where, where it uh, makes sense for people to do. You know, providers aren't going to get rich off of affordable assisted living, but if you can't make a living, no one's going to do it. So you have to make a reasonable profit or there will be, this will not happen. And if people keep waiting for just the not-for-profits to do it or the you know, religious affiliates to do it. There will never be enough um, housing for these baby boomers. The youngest, um, the the oldest baby boomer right now is 77. So you know how we've been talking, oh, the baby boomers are coming. Well, they're here. Yeah. <laughs> There's no more they're coming. And by 2030, all the baby boomers, this just blows my mind, but all the baby boomers will be 65 years or older by 2030. 
So that's just a, you know, it's a huge um, amount of people that are coming our way. So everyone has to get involved in, in doing this. And you need to talk to your local officials to say, okay, we have a Medicaid waiver. What does it pay? Could you run a business on that much? If you can't, then it's a waste of our time to think that we have solved that problem in our state. And I can give you loads of examples of states that haven't solved it. Massachusetts doesn't even have it at all. So wow. as you can imagine, I've been working on that for many years too. <laughs> yeah, of, co of course, of course. Yeah, no, it's it's near and dear to your heart. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, it makes so much sense to, uh, you know, you got to make some sort of money coming out of it or the money just won't, you know, they tend to, you know, why would you do that if you're a business person and trying to invest in something? So, you know, it's a good point. Yeah. Um, and then Sharon, my final question here for you, if you just had to give other providers three guiding principles as we move through the rest of 2023 or looking at the next 12 months, what would you say? Yes. Um, so one thing I would definitely say is, is you have to think out of the box and be innovative. You have to. Um, one of the things that that is good for both affordable and middle market is reuse, reuse of something not used. I just read that a defunct mortuary in California is being made into affordable housing for affordable assisted living for seniors. Um, schools, you know, demographics change. You know, this this town used to need a lot of schools now. There's not as many young kids, schools close. If, if uh, you can get that school at a reasonable price, maybe um, tax credit, tax credits are hugely important, low income housing tax credits, um, give uh, people a tax break so that they can afford to rehab or buy something. Um, so those are huge. So always be innovative and look at any opportunity um, to, you know, to find a spot that will cost you because you have to pay so little for the building because your operating costs are going to be so expensive. Um, the second one I'd say is be collaborative. You know, there, there are people who, like I always tell people, call me, ask me questions. I'll tell you what I know. You tell me what you know. Um, be collaborative. Know the shortcuts. You know, this is not information that should be proprietary. Just like with Alzheimer's research, we have to share our information. And in uh, this affordable housing, we have to share our information. So call who you know. Um, be involved in the state decisions. You have to get involved with budget decisions and so forth uh, to just keep pounding away because they've got a million priorities. We need to make senior housing one. And I'll give you a bonus one. Here's a bonus one. Don't underestimate the cost of staffing. Staffing is just as expensive for um, low-income housing um, because if you're not providing good care, you're not going to be proud to own um, or work for an affordable housing group. So be love smart. <laughs> I love it. Well, Sharon, this is just so much knowledge packed into this episode. Just so thank you so much. Um, it's awesome having people like you in this industry and, you know, in, in these leadership leadership positions to really continue to drive it forward. And I'm just so grateful that people like you are leading the space. So thank you. Um, Thank you. And shout out to you because we need our seniors to be able to hear what we're doing. And your group it does a wonderful job with Eversound. Love it. Appreciate that. Well, thank you, Sharon. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. If you'd like to know when we post the next episode, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're interested in how Eversound can help improve the quality of life in your community, find out more at eversoundhq.com.